Well, good morning, everyone. So glad you've chosen to worship together this morning. It's good to see everyone. Before I jump into the sermon this morning, I do have some family news to share. A dear brother of ours, an outlooker named Ray Doty, passed away this past week after a long challenge uh, of illness. And so I want to lift uh, the Doty family up, uh, specifically Marsa, who's with us this morning, uh, his wife, uh, and uh, let you know also that if you know the Doty family, you'd like to uh, pay your respects and send your condolences. Visitation is Tuesday evening at Seals Funeral Home in Fortville, and the funeral is Wednesday at 11 a.m. If you know Ray and Marsa, and that information is something you might want to know. So uh, before we jump into God's Word, I'd love to pray for them and pray for our time together. Is that all right? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, that we can come to you with the needs and burdens of our lives. And Lord, we weep with those who weep, we grieve with those who grieve, and we think of Marsa and uh, she and Ray's whole precious family. We ask God that, Holy Spirit, you would be their comforter, you would be with them, that, Lord, they would know that they're far from alone, that they have a church family that's with them and surrounds them uh, as they navigate this time of grief and loss. Lord, we thank you for Ray, not only who he was, but who he is, as he is in your eternity, enjoying his reward with you, uh, a man who loves you and was a great example of that to the rest of us. So we thank you for his life, and uh, we're blessed by the fact that you made Ray Doty, and you sent him to this earth, and we got to hang out with him for a while, and that is its own special blessing. Lord, as we open up your word this morning, we ask that you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher, and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, We've all faced times when we wished God's will for us was like handwriting on the wall, right? Saying, take the job. Wouldn't that be nice if you get us no question? Or the clouds form a message that says, ask her to marry you. She'll say yes. Or the dandelions in our backyard one morning spell out, move to the coast. Wouldn't that just all be so handy? Uh, signs are tempting to look for when it comes to God's will, but they're not usually very helpful. Sometimes they're pointless, like this sign, for instance. Could you get a more pointless sign than that one? Or here are a few more who aren't doing us any favors. For instance, this is the back door. The front door is around the back. Okay, you're looking for some direction in life, and see, these signs are not helping at all. Well, it, it can be tempting to, yeah, go ahead and read the rest. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you. <laughs> it can be tempting to want to look for signs when we're thinking about God's will and direction for our lives. Or sometimes, maybe you've done this, you've even set up a little bit of a sign. Like, if I see a deer this morning on the way to work, I'll quit my job and go be a missionary. <laughs> Folks, you may see a deer and stink at being a missionary. Or you may not see a deer and God is absolutely calling you to be a missionary. So, Signs don't help, but man, we get desperate sometimes when it comes to discerning God's will and direction for our lives. That is today's all-request summer subject, discerning God's direction. And what we're going to find here in the next few minutes is there's no secret recipe or mysterious signal to help us with this, just some good, solid, biblical sense. And so what we're going to see here is that when it comes to this sub subject, the vast majority of the time, this is going to be how it works. First, we love God's thelema. I'll explain what that means in a minute. We learn about ourselves. We listen to wise counsel. We leverage our today. 
we lean into our limits, and we look for good fruit. All of this taken together is a pretty good recipe for what it means to begin to discern God's will for our lives. And I know that that kind of sounds like a lot, right? But when tackling this subject, I really couldn't see how to leave any of these out. They all are pretty important to this subject. So, are you ready? Here we go. First, let's talk about loving God's Thelema. What do, we, what do we mean here? Well, when we read about God's will in the New Testament, there are two Greek words that are used. The first one is boule. It's kind of a fun word to say. You want to say it out loud together? Boule, right? One is God's boule, which indicates his immutable plan, regardless of our cooperation, his eternal and unstoppable purposes. One example of this would be in Acts chapter 2. Peter is preaching to the crowds. It's the day of Pentecost, and he's about to welcome thousands of new Christians into the faith based on this sermon. And he's talking about Jesus to this crowd, and he says, This man, speaking of Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan, that's boule, and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So he's speaking to the, of the fact that the incarnation... Jesus' death and resurrection, his plan for our salvation, man. Nothing's going to stop these things. These are part of God's boule, his, his unstoppable will for humanity. You and I aren't going to get in the way of that. But whenever the New Testament refers to our responsibility, our personal responsibility to know and to do God's will, the Greek term is thelema which speaks to his desire or his pleasure for us, what he wants for us, which requires our cooperation for its fulfillment. Now, this term is all over the place. In 1 Thessalonians, for instance, we read, it is God's will, or thelema, that you should be sanctified. Sanctified is just a Bible word for getting rid of the stuff that is hurting you and everyone around you and leaning into the good and healthy things that God has for you. Killing our greed, our lust, avoiding immorality, cultivating virtue, learning how to love others well. This is all part of what it means to be sanctified. And this verse is saying, look, it is God's thelema for you, his will for you, that these good things grow in your life and that you thrive in your faith. Think of it like a good parent. If you have kids or you, any of us can think about it in this way, a parent has a thelema for their kids, right? We want our kids to thrive and grow, but we're not going to get into the details of exactly trying to orchestrate what that looks like, that there's a lot of room to navigate within that overall will for, their, for, for someone's thriving or someone's health, someone's goodness. And that is a great way to think about thelema, God's overall will and desire for our thriving and goodness. And nowhere in the New Testament does it suggest that we should seek knowledge of God's specific surgical boule, so to speak, in our personal decisions or God's foreknowledge of our own future, as if discerning God's will were a tightrope walk, and I, if I get one step wrong, I've fallen, and now I've kind of blown the whole thing. That nowhere is it described quite like that. We'll have another word picture that I'll share here in a minute. This pressure that we put on ourselves to discern God's exact will for our life, that it's either going to be a, we have either blown it or we found it, that is a pressure we put on ourselves, and it is based on a misplaced and incorrect ideal. God is expert at working out his overall plan, his boule, 
But that's not something we choose or something we lose. But we do choose to do God's thelema. We love His overall will for our life, and we want to live in it as we trust His boule. Here are some other examples. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will, thelema, is. Back to 1 Thessalonians. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this. You want to know God's will for your life? This is God's will for you, his thelema, who belong to Christ Jesus. Be joyful, pray continually, and be thankful. In 1 John, we read, the world and its desires, they're going to pass away. But whoever does the thelema, this overall good will of God for our sanctification and health, they will live forever. So this idea, this first point, has a lot to do with trust as well as obedience. Trust that He will steer us as we stay on His path. I learn to love His thelema. I trust that He will work out the details in my life. It's kind of like a river. I choose to stay in the overall river of God's will, letting His current guide my life. I could choose to get out of that river. I could choose to leave God behind. I could choose to ignore God. Or I could choose to stay in that river, relax and enjoy His goodness for me, and trust He's taking me in a good and healthy direction because of who He is. So that means I soak, we soak in God's truth and reality. We learn and read God's Word. We draw near to Him in worship. We stay tuned through prayer. We remain connected in community. These are all ways that we stay in that river, so to speak, or stay on that road that is God's way, his thelema. And then we navigate from there what he wants to do with our lives. This is spoken of in Romans 12 when it says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewal happens as we love his thelema then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thelema is the word both those times. So, having laid that groundwork, love God's thelema, His overall will for your life. Trust that it's good, lean into it, and love it. Now, let's talk about these other five that we've laid out for ourselves here. The second one is this, learn about yourself. If you're trying to discern God's direction for your life, Learning about ourselves is a valuable thing to do. Check this out. When you sign up to be a student of Jesus, you will soon discover that one of his favorite subjects is you. Let me say that again. When we sign up to be a student of Jesus, we say yes to Jesus, we count ourselves as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and we begin to spend time with him, his people, we draw near to him, we will soon discover that the thing he teaches us about one of his favorite subjects, the thing he wants to talk to us about and show us what he knows that we need to know. That subject is ourselves. Because he knows, in all of his infinite wisdom, that the better we begin to understand and know ourselves, the healthier we will become and the clearer, more clear-headed we become as we begin to navigate our relationships, our decisions, and the rest of our lives. So learning about ourselves is important. I believe strongly and, and see it in soul after soul that, that we get to uh, the pastor here at Outlook. We believe strongly that the unique way that God made each of us says a lot about what he has in mind for us to do and be in his kingdom. That you are designed for a purpose. In Ephesians chapter 2 we read uh, exactly that. It says he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he's gotten ready for us to do, work we had better 
be doing. Now that initial phrase here can also be translated that we are God's handiwork, that we are his masterpiece, that we are handcrafted and designed to do good work in this world, and each of us is uniquely suited to do that which God had in mind for us to do. So when I learn about myself, I'm also learning about why God made me, to what end, to what purpose, right? So it's good to ask questions like, what grabs my attention? That's something unique about you. What breaks my heart? What makes me pound the table? How am I uniquely gifted? These are all valuable questions that can steer us in God's, towards God's direction for our lives. Here's another one. What moves me? I want to stop on that one for just a moment because we've been taught, maybe it's even been drilled into us, that our feelings and our emotions are categorically deceptive and unreliable. And I feel like that's kind of a baby in bathwater situation there. We've thrown the whole thing out. We would never base an entire decision based only on our feelings and emotions. But the fact is, the things that move us, the, the things that bring us joy and the things that rob us of that joy, we should pay attention, some attention to that. So it's not about ignoring our feelings. It's about submitting those feelings to the Lord and letting them be part of the overall recipe of discerning his direction for our lives. In Psalm 37, it says, take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's a really key idea here is that as I love God's thelema, delight in the Lord, he will form my heart in such a way and reform that heart, yours and mine, so that my desires end up lining up with his desires far more often. And thus, I find life far more fulfilling because I am now receiving the desires of my heart because God wants, what I want is the same as what God wants to give me. And then I begin to flow in the direction and the purpose that God has for me. So, learning about ourselves is 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 a step that is really difficult to skip when it comes to discerning God's direction. But let's keep going. There's a third one here. Listen to wise counsel. We need to not just listen to only ourselves, but uh, we need to listen to those who've got some spiritual miles on them, who know us, and who could speak good things into our lives and give us some counsel. Now, we shouldn't just collect everyone's opinion from anywhere, right? Uh, It's one thing to find out on Facebook, you know, where the local, uh, the best Thai restaurant is. But we don't want to do that when it comes to finding direction for our life, right? Uh, It's not a poll, but it's good to seek counsel from people who know us, who love us, and who have some wisdom to share. That's why the church is so great. We have each other. You have pastors as well. You have elders, people who are dedicated to your thriving and your good, who have spent some time working with people about on this very subject and know and have become accompanied to and and accustomed to God's ways, that's a resource that we shouldn't go, uh, that we shouldn't leave behind or leave untapped. In Proverbs chapter 12, it says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. So when we seek counsel, it's important to seek out those who walk closely with God. Ultimately, the decisions are ours, but it's useful to hear other people's perspectives. We keep each other sharp. That's why the, it also says in Proverbs, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So when it comes to this subject, it can be important to ask ourselves, am I seeking godly counsel 
as I'm looking to discern God's direction in my life. And if I'm not, and I have this desire to go it alone, why is that? What's going on in me that makes me want to ignore or not listen to anyone else's advice, even perhaps some good advice, and I just want to go it alone? Take that to the Lord and pray that through. Because biblically speaking, when we're seeking God's direction for our life, it is essential that we don't just listen to only our own thoughts, but get some good, wise help as well. So, another essential ingredient, listen to wise counsel. But let's keep going. Leverage our today. When we think about our tomorrow, it can be easy to then suddenly not like anything about today, right? You're thinking about God's plan or God's direction, God's future, and then you look around and you just think, oh, all this is trash. I don't want any of this. I just want what God's got for me next. And I would encourage us to not do that too quickly, not reject our current situation or our current season. At one point in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to some new Christians, this brand new faith, very exciting, and they have questions. And one of those questions was, what do we do? We're married to someone who has not yet said yes to Jesus. We've got this new faith. Jesus is doing his, his work in us through the Holy Spirit, but we're married to people who are not yet believers. And they were wondering what this new life meant for their current reality. And Paul instructs them to stay where they are and let that new life do its work. If a spouse becomes a believer, he says, all the better. But if things are peaceable, stay with them and stay in your current situation. Follow Jesus where you are and then see where he will lead. Don't just throw it all out immediately. And the principle he lays down is a good one. Check this out. Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. And we can replace marital status with vocational status or educational status or whatever the factor might be that you're kind of wrestling with or weighing in your life. He says, find some contentment where you are and see what God wants to do there, and he'll lead you from there in his timing and in his ways, whatever that might look like. So where we are today, vocation, location, education, you name it, any number of things, relationships, whatever, where we are today, it may not be where we stay forever, but let it be where you start, where you learn, where you serve. Keep saying yes to him in small things, and soon you'll find yourself trusted to say yes to larger things. I know what, this is certainly how the Lord's worked in my own journey. When I first said, really said yes to Jesus, I also started saying yes to whatever way I could serve in my church. 19, 20 years old, ready to do whatever uh, was in front of me to do. If it was a need and it was going to glorify God, I was happy to be a part of it. And honestly, each of those yeses led me to hanging out with you all this morning. I mean, if I look back, it's really just one yes after another after another. And, and God only knows where the yeses ahead will lead. But what I do know is I could never, I could never have traced all that out ahead of time. I could have never at 19 thought that I could one day get to be the privilege of being a pastor. I would have never been able to figure that out, but thank God I didn't need to, right? 
It's easier to steer a moving car. So I just kept myself in gear and let God do all the steering. Don't reject your current situations. Say your yeses to whatever's in front of you and see where it will lead. So while you don't reject your current situation and season, you can also leverage your today by preparing for the next. Paul describes this choice that we all have. In his letter, uh, second letter to Timothy, he talks about how we all have a choice to kind of leave behind the useless or, or common things that were a part of our life before as we think about who we want to become. And this is how he puts it. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, and in this case he's speaking of those kind of useless, empty th ways of our old life. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and what? Prepared to do any good work. This is a word picture that I have always found super helpful for me. I don't know always how God wants to use my life, but I do know that I want to be prepared and I want him to find me ready and sharp and useful. Like when he's got a job to do and he's looking for the right tool, I want to, him, him to at least see me and see someone who's not been kind of just lazing around wondering what God's going to do with my life, but instead someone who's at least ready and done what he knows he could do to be prepared for whatever God has in mind. So many people skip this step, right? We want to be used by God. We might even have big dreams in this regard. But we don't do the hard work needed to learn what we should learn, gain experiences that will prove helpful. We don't read that book or take that course or join that ministry team, go on that mission trip, serve in that cause, take that music lesson, ask for that advice, go get that mentor, whatever it may be for us. But man, preparation is no small thing when it comes to discerning God's direction for our lives. It is simply true. Opportunities, including opportunities to live out God's will and purpose, come to those who have prepared for them. So even while we wait, we can prepare. We can make the most of every opportunity. We can serve and work hard. There's no substitute for working hard at whatever's been put in front of us and serving the people who are in need, who are before us. We might think of changing the world. We need to make sure that we're doing our best to love those who are nearest us. Amen? And that takes us to our next uh, next to last item, and that is leaning into our limits. With the uh, construction of McCord Square happening just north of us and seeing its progress nearly every day as I drive from my house to the church, it keeps reminding me of something that maybe you, you may know this about our church, you may not, but our church used to own that land. Uh, more than that, uh, we dedicated it one Sunday morning by having a, a service under a huge tent. We rented a tent, had a Sunday morning service there. See, our church used to be on Oaklandon Road, and uh, back in the late 90s, the elders realized that we needed to begin looking for land and relocating to a larger campus. And so that started a journey that at one point, that land where that construction is happening was the land that we bought and was the land we were planning to build on. And like I said, we even had a Sunday morning service not very far away at all from that mound of dirt to the right and kind of near that pond to the left was where I remember parking the van. And we all gathered there and we prayed that God would use that land for his glory and that God would guide us in our next steps as a church. 
But we soon began to see that moving to a different location would be best, and then the town could one day use that parcel for their own overall purposes, which now we see that they are, and we are here. Now, at that moment, we could have lamented making such a change, or we could have accepted it as a necessary pivot, as a limit, as a guide, as a guardrail that God was putting in place. And looking back, it was a great move. We thank God that we're here, and we really like the way that worked out. So when it comes to discerning God's will, this is a bit of an illustration. Knowing what's not an option is as important as knowing what is an option. Knowing where we are or where we're not or who we are or who we're not is valuable information. Those limits are useful. There's this moment in John chapter 3 in which uh, John the Baptist is being asked if he's the Messiah. Are you the Savior of the world, right? Drawing big crowds, um, God's clearly using them, and uh, people were waiting on and looking for and anticipating the Messiah, and they turn to John and they wonder if he is. And, and this is what he said, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. Now, see, it would have been tempting, perhaps, at that point. Lots of people, he, he was uh, drawing big crowds. Maybe, well, now that you put it that way, maybe I am the Messiah, right? That sounds pretty good. But he knew who he wasn't as much as he knew who he was. And he accepted that limit, so to speak, that boundary or that frame. And he operated in God's will within that framework. What I am and what I'm not. What I'm good at, what I'm not. Where I am and where I'm not, what's true in this season of my life, and what may be true in a later season, but just isn't right now. Maybe I'm in a season where I have small kids at home. Maybe I'm in a season where I have an empty nest. Maybe I'm in a season where I'm post-retirement. Each season brings with it its own opportunities and its own challenges. And when we spend this season, season wishing it were another season, we are really handicapping ourselves when it comes to discerning God's will for our life in that season that we're in. So accepting where we are for the, the season and the rhythm that we're in is essential to discerning God's direction. So is honoring our relationships. Those, I mentioned this earlier. Those people nearest us are absolutely our first ministry. We can't kid ourselves into thinking that God's will for us is so grand that it somehow skips right over our family members, our parents, our siblings, our spouses, or our children. We can be assured instead that it starts with them. Whatever God's direction and will it is for my life and for yours, we can be very sure it does not mean ignoring those he's placed closest to us in our life, but instead making sure that we're serving and loving them well, whoever they are and whatever those needs are. In 1 Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy, those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. So relationships count for a lot, and how we honor them says a lot about us. Seek God's will first within these everyday relationships, and you'll find you have plenty of purpose starting right there. Finally, lastly, let's look for some good fruit. When we're thinking about God's direction for our life, when we're weighing one option against another, it can be really good uh, to ask ourselves, who will this turn me into? 
We might at first think about option A and option B and thinking, well, what will this accomplish? Or what will I gain? Maybe it's a promotion or a raise, or maybe it's a more comfortable uh, situation, or who knows what it might be. But first, back up and ask, what will this turn me into? Who will I become? Will this make me more generous or more loving? Or will this stress me out and drain me to the point that I have no resources for those around me? Or I'll, it'll sap my patience or drain my energy? Who will I become is a great question to ask. In Galatians chapter 6 it says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will also harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All, uh, all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So what is this decision going to plant in me? And am I ready for the harvest it will bring? Do I want that for me and those around me? Here's a prayer, one I really like, from author and theologian Thomas Merton. He wrote, My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please does, in fact, please you. He boils down this idea, this, this quest that we can find ourselves on to discern God's direction for our life, as he boils it all the way down to just knowing God. Just a desire, a seed thought. I want to please God. I want to live my life in such a way that brings Him glory and brings more of Him into my soul, right? In knowing God, I will discover His will. There is no shortcut, and there is no way to get around that. It always runs through my relationship with Him. He is always at the center. The real prayer is this, Lord, I want to know You, no one else, more than You. So what have we covered today? And I know it's just been a brief few minutes, and we've covered a lot, but let's review. When we're trying to discern God's will for our life, it's hard to skip any of these steps. Love God's thelema, His overall goodwill for your life. Learn about yourself. You're His favorite subject. Listen to wise counsel. Don't try to go it alone. Leverage your today. Don't just try to skip over today to get to tomorrow. Lean into your limits. Understand who you are and who you're not right now. And look for good fruit. Don't discern a direction just based on what it will accomplish. But think about who it will make you who you'll become in the process. I know that sounds like a lot, but is it? Because here's what's a lot. Continually guessing whether or not we're in God's will, feeling lost, agonizing over each decision, wondering if we're in it or if we've blown it. That's a lot. And leaving it behind and embracing this, I found, is to be a very, very helpful thing. I'm going to ask you to take your bread and cup this morning as we think about focusing in on God and that all of all all our pursuits of God's will will always run through our relationship with him it makes me think of this uh, you know if you ever use your GPS I'm pretty reliant on my GPS I like it a lot I love rerouting okay I love it when I've made a wrong turn it's not no stress no big deal I'm just going to reroute here this is going to take me exactly where I need to go I'm going to get back on track. Every week when we get together 
and open up God's word. And particularly in this moment here, when we take the bread and the cup, we are rerouting. No matter what zigs and zags the uh, week has given us, sometimes rerouting gives me a U-turn. Maybe that's what I need to do today. Maybe you do too. Sometimes it's going to help me avoid some hazards. Sometimes it's going to show me a more efficient route. Whatever it may be, I need it. And I welcome that rerouting in my life. When we get together each, each week and we take the communion together, we are setting our sights again on our destination. We're focusing our lives on where we want to be, and that is each day in Christ. Amen? So let's take the bread together and thank Him for His body given for us, making possible His life in us. And when we take the cup, we do the same. And we thank Him for the sacrifice of love that He made that makes this life in Him possible. Let's take and drink together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You that You do take good care of our lives. You keep your eye on us. You care for us. We don't have to persuade you or convince you to do that. You absolutely, relentlessly love and care for us. And so, Lord, as we're discerning your direction for our lives, as we're taking the steps and navigating this this earthly life that you've given us, we ask God for your help. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be our guide. And Lord, help us to trust you the one who makes a way, the one who makes all good things possible, the one who reroutes and redeems our mistakes and gets us back on that path with you. Help us to enjoy and embrace that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.